Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Secure AF podcast. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the different hacking tools you can find online and whether you should get them or not. So today I'm joined with Andrew Lemon, Tanner Shen, a couple of security engineers here at Alias. If you guys want to just go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Andrew Lemon. I'm the principal security engineer. Hey, I'm Tanner Shen. I'm a security engineer here at Alias as well. Awesome. Um, so the other day I heard you guys talking in kind of our shared kitchen space about some of the different tools you would see recommended in lists online and why you thought they should not be recommended or should be recommended. And that kind of interested me since a lot of the tools seem to be pointed more towards just like beginners who might not know that they're actually good and or bad tools. So I figured we could go through a couple of those lists that maybe didn't have the best recommendations and kind of talk about those. Yeah, so the the subject came up because of a project Tanner is working on. Um, I'll kind of let him launch into that, talk about the goals of the project, and then go in our back and forth of what we decided on it. Sure, yeah. So the idea was to build a mobile RF hacking rig. And that means uh, it needs to accomplish everything. So it needs to cover every spectrum of RF that you could possibly use. And then we started talking about what do we usually use. Well, we do a lot of RFID, so it needs to have a Proxmark built into it or at least something similar. Um, <clears throat> we talked about the hack RF. We talked about doing a crazy radio. We do a lot of uh, mouse jacking sometimes on, on engagements, just something that can kind of cover the gambit of things. Um, and uh, what kind of kind of got it brought up is I was super into the hack RF. It's, it's great. It's very cool what it can do. It's, it's uh, in theory, it can do all these great things. And the, the hardware is just, just so wide on the things that it can encompass. And then uh, Lemon hits me up and says like, yeah, but when, when are you going to use that on engagement? What, what are you going to do with the hack RF? And I thought about it all night and I tried to justify why I needed to spend $350 on a hack RF. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't come up with a reason. They're cool. I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what uh, kind of let us down this back and forth of like, that's cool, but what does it do? And like, let's just roast some stuff and figure out like, oh, does a hacker really use that? Like, mm -hmm. what are the tools of hackers? Is it yeah. leet or is it lame? Absolutely. Okay. So one of the ones I see on a list, um, it's listed number one. It's the Hack RF One Software Defined Radio. Yeah, and that's the one I was just talking about. Okay, yeah. so that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that one it's super, is it's, it's one of those. It falls into the realm of like, it's super cool. In mm -hmm. theory, you can do all these things. You could open garage doors with it. You could, because you can capture the signal and you could replay the signal back or do things like that. But I'm never going to do that on a red team engagement. That's never going to come up mm -hmm. in an industrial setting. Never. So a lot of these tools could be super cool if there wasn't such a learning curve. So if you're looking at the hack RF and you're like, man, 350 bucks, that's a lot of money. You can get into a shorter band of sequence, uh, into a smaller band, the 2.4 gigahertz and below with an SDR for uh, 20, 30 bucks. And then you can do injection with those. Mm -hmm. um, I personally started with an SDR and I realized, great, I can tune into radio stations and literally nothing else. Um, it sucked. <laughs> So maybe not worth it. Correct. Again, it's one of those like watch the videos, research the tool, but the learning curve, if you're a uh, software-defined radio researcher, absolutely it's the go-to tool. It's cool. 
Um, if you're starting out in InfoSec and you're like, man, I want to look at some radio waves, buy an, like an RTL SDR. They're 30 bucks. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. As, as a hobbyist, they're cool. Mm-hmm. If you're just a, an RF hobbyist, a radio hobbyist, ham radio operator, whatever you are, mm-hmm. you're into that, it's cool as a hobby. But if you want to justify the cost as a pen tester, it's not there. Okay. What about a hidden camera detector, anti-spy rig? Uh, what's your threat model? This really isn't <laughs> hacker. It's more for paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, I've seen them not work. Uh, we get people on the forensic side talk about, oh, well, this thing reflected and this, and like it was an IR sensor. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to tell you this. Um, so maybe if your threat model is a concern of having hidden cameras in your hotel, yeah, but as a hacker, like I'm not normally concerned about cameras. You're yeah. not thinking about hidden cameras when you go on engagements? No, not really. Okay. You're lucky if people watch the cameras that are in plain sight. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, what else is there on here? I mean, a lot of them, this one I'm looking at right now, also lists Raspberry Pi, which that's pretty good, right? Raspberry Pis are awesome, but yeah. uh, have an idea of what you're going to do with it. It's a, a great starting point, but are you going to install Kali Linux on it? Are you going to make it a Dropbox? Are you going to make it a, a pocket PC um, pie hole? Are you going to set it up to filter out DNS? Like, It's a great gift if you were, say, for a hacker, but there's so much potential, again, like having in mind what you're going to be using it for. Uh, we use them all the time for purpose-built tools, whether they be... Uh, de-authors or mouse jacking rigs that are dedicated and small and battery powered or even our drop boxes yeah most of our drop boxes of course are going to be based off raspberry pi in some way or another mm-hmm. um, however it's it's just like a laptop if i hand a laptop to somebody who's you know the leadest hacker ever they're going to be able to do some damage they're going to be able to to make it make it do some stuff but if i hand it to somebody who doesn't know the first thing about cybersecurity, it's it's just a laptop same thing with a Raspberry Pi. It's, gotcha. just, it's just a small computer. Okay. Now, what about microphone blockers? I see one here that's the mic lock with sound pass microphone blocker. The idea is that you can, I guess, prevent anybody from listening to your mic since this object is plugged in. Totally awesome, except I have an iPhone. <laughs> Mm, there's there's it's one of those things that it's targeting paranoid people Mm -hmm. where they say like oh yeah this turns on my microphone and then it blocks it so nobody can ever hear me because it's turned on so is that kind of really needed to you could disable the device i mean and then go if there's another microphone built in somewhere you could disable that device in the device manager and then just go for the other microphone but nobody's listening to you nobody fucking cares (laughs) (laughs) yeah what is your threat model no one actually Uh cares about you nobody's listening to you (laughs) So it seems like, I mean, some of these others, here's a hard drive data eraser. Um, It looks like a key that you plug into your computer that I guess permanently erases sensitive data. Is that even legitimate? Um, No, unless you physically destroy the media, there's always a chance of recovering data. It's just how motivated someone is. Your average person, yeah, that's great. If you were trying to keep it from, say, a spouse or an employer, like, yeah, you could do some damage. But if you're trying to keep it from law enforcement or from a nation state, like, that's dumb. Like, that's 
I'm just going to go in and run the most basic tool and just recover your data. Uh, a better option would be uh, DBAN and run 7 to 14 passes on it. But still, uh, there's a whole DEF CON talk about destroying your hard drive with remote thermite. Um, that's an even better idea. Uh, physical destruction always <laughs> over digital destruction. <laughs> you can. We used to uh, drill press a lot of hard drives. Mm -hmm. you just drill drill a few holes in them, and they're a lot harder to recover than anything like that. But huh. I, I see that, and I think this is great until somebody's seven year old plugs it in. Mm -hmm. Like, oh wow! And USB then you erase key. all your data. Yeah, now they just nuked your computer. Mm. Yeah, that does make sense. Now, what about? Okay, <laughs> so this one cracks me up. Um, a flash drive. With fingerprint protection, I could buy one on Amazon right now for $50. I would say for $50, how good is it? Can mm -hmm. I fudge it? Um, I don't feel like fingerprint protection is a, a good one. If it were a high-end $500 one, maybe. But I really wouldn't trust anything. What I can tell people with passwords, right? If you're okay with password protecting data, that's fine. But like, think about the type of data you're hiding behind that password. If it's my social security number, I'm going to put it behind a 48-character password. Um, if it's the login to my Roblox account, like probably going to be a simple password. Mm -hmm. uh, same with the fingerprint drive, right? I would, if I had something that I cared about so much that I wanted to store it safely. I would probably use BitLocker instead of a fingerprint drive from Amazon. Okay, so what about, here's another one I'm seeing on one of these lists. It is the Wi-Fi testing wearable. It's It looks like a watch, but like a hacker watch. Oh, Lemon owns one of those. Hey, Lemon, why do you own that? <laughs> so there's the, it's the D-Stike, and I think it's an ESP8266. It's a, it's based on firmware from Space Hunt. And honestly, like with a lot of these tools, I got it just to troll people. Uh, when I want to kick people off Wi-Fi, I do legitimately use it on engagements to do a D-Auth attack. That way I could have someone reassociate to my Wi-Fi pineapple. But for the most part, it's more fun for me to spin up 80 SSIDs that all say never going to give you up and print the full lyrics to never going to give you up uh, or to kick people off Wi-Fi or just general beacon attacks. But actual usage, like I think in version three, they finally just jumped the shark entirely and they added a laser pointer. So, I mean, it's, I guess, cool if you want to kick people off Wi-Fi, but Generally, it's only good for being a dick and doesn't really have a purpose for, like, hacker. I mean, I nefarious purpose, I guess you could de-auth Wi-Fi cameras. That'd be pretty cool. But I've never run into an instance where I needed to do that recently. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a fun toy. It's fun for screwing with people. But it's not actually worthwhile for a super red useful. team engagement. I mean, even like he mentioned the authing people so they hit your own network on the the wi-fi pineapple yeah you can use the watch but the pineapple can also do that natively so if you're tearing down to a gadget just have the pineapple mm -hmm. it's true okay now here's one i see a lot not just in these lists but i see a lot of people talk about bash bunnies i have one it's super cool i've spent 
many, many hours doing some really cool stuff with it, mm-hmm. making some really in-depth scripts that can do all kinds of stuff. And then it's got a switch on it where you can have multiple payloads. I've got one payload that I plug it in and it creates a user and opens a daemon. The other one actually loads our C2 to our COBOL strike server. So very, very cool. I've never used it. Oh, <laughs> never once have I ever had an instance that I have found that I was able to use it. So wait, you never once used it on like a real engagement? No, I've never, I, I've, I've always had it in my bag and it's never come out. Yeah, I've got a whole bag of like hack five has a lot of cool stuff uh, that I've played with. I've used, I personally own and carry in my bag every day. But it's like, when do I actually get to use that? Mm-hmm. I hope I get to. I would love to. And it, like, just, it, it doesn't come up. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's hardly a real thing. Like they're loaded and ready to go, and we're just praying for someone to give us an opportunity, and it just never presents itself. <laughs> okay, so another one on the list is the Keystroke Injection Attacks Learning Kit. It looks like a little USB rubber ducky, um, and they say it can be quite destructive despite its small size. What do you guys think about that? They, um, I mean, rubber ducky, it's, it's like the bash money because I mean, largely the bash, the bash money is a rubber ducky with different selections. It goes a little deeper than that, but that's most of it. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the rubber duckies are something that you'd want to seed out into a parking lot and throw a whole bunch of them out and hopefully somebody plugs them in. And okay. that's, that's a valid test that you can do, but it's just not a very realistic attack vector mm-hmm. compared to like I SQL injected your website. Like it's so the rubber duckies would be better if you're just kind of hoping some random person plugs it in, but it's not really great for hyper targeted test. I guess it comes down like, to your uh, like what you're targeting and wanting to do. Like mm-hmm. rubber duckies, again, it's a really cool tool. They've put a lot of de- like development time into it, but it's ungodly expensive. So if I wanted to distribute 10 on a customer, like on an engagement, it's 250 bucks. Like I really don't like dropping anything more than 30 bucks that I could lose uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, all of those are in the same vein. The, the rubber ducky, you've got the digi sparks, which is a cheaper alternative. The wid cactus, which is like a Wi-Fi version where you could stream in keystrokes remotely. But at that point, if you can plug in, a keyboard dongle you could just stream in text that way you're just not using a monitor at that point so don't make a typo but uh, <laughs> they're cool uh, mm-hmm. but what real use could you get out of them mm-hmm. a good use that you could say get out of a rubber ducky or a digi spark would be auto setup where you have to run so many commands uh, repeatedly and they're like a windows r and then you have to run something something that's not easily scriptable in powershell but you could create macros to do. That would be a a good use for them. Okay, so I've got one more that I'm kind of looking at. Um, It is the TV Be Gone Pro. (laughs) What is the deal with this? Why why is this listed under a powerful hacking gadgets list article? I don't know, man. You ever seen some some crap on the news (laughs) at at an airport and been like, yeah, this is annoying? (laughs) I could see the benefit. I mean, it's styled after a suite like iPhone three or four. It is. Yeah. It's super inconspicuous. No one would ever think that, you know, this guy holding this iPhone four was 
turning off the TV. <laughs> this guy getting I mean, close who, to the TV, walking on. up, trying to get it to, to pick up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when uh, Samsung phones first started integrating IR, and you could use those as a universal remote, and that was great to troll people. Uh, but, I mean, outside of trolling, like, what are you going to do? I mean, I've been playing a lot of Hitman recently, so I think maybe <laughs> I could distract a guard by turning the volume up on a TV. Uh, but I, I definitely, yeah. I'm not using this on an engagement. Really, I'm just going to use this to troll people every opportunity I get. This feels like the kind of thing you take to like a family reunion at someone's house or like Thanksgiving or Christmas and just like keep messing with the TV. I yeah. feel like I would have found this in a sharper image when I was 13 and just been <laughs> so stoked that I had all this power. And then ultimately have my parents take it away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it seems like some of the items on this list are um, not great hacker tools. They're cool, but not necessarily, you know, they're fun to troll people with, but not necessarily great for actually using on engagements. Is that right? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then do we want to talk a little bit about what you guys actually use on engagements? Yeah, so some of uh, the elite tools. uh my most used tool that is a peripheral that's plugged in is a crazy radio. And that's a 2.4 gigahertz radio. It was originally designed to control drones on 2.4 gigahertz, but they found that they could inject keystrokes because keyboards and mice operate on that frequency. So any Logitech or Microsoft keyboard from a certain era, uh, and even some Amazon mice, some of the Amazon basic stuff are susceptible to this. And you can inject keystrokes through a mouse, which is also really cool. Um, but if you're on an internal pen test and every turn you take, you're blocked by AV or you can't get a foothold, uh, it's fun to be able to just, what if I was sitting at that person's computer logged in and you can fire Windows R and then stream in your encrypted PowerShell and then boom, start getting check-ins in Cobalt Striker Metasploit and have a win. Uh, it's definitely been crucial flipping the, like turning the tide on a successful pen test, being able to inject keystrokes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those come in a lot. Um, as far as gadgets go, uh, how about the Keezy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Keezy. Yeah. It's a, uh, handheld. I mean, it looks like a, uh, a car remote. You can use it to quickly clone cards. So any like, um, 13.65 or any of the lower class cards, it's good at cloning. We do run into a lot of instances where it's not good enough or it can't do the particular version of card that we like, and that transition us over to the, the Proxmark. But the learning curve between the Keezy and the Proxmark is pretty vast. The Keezy, I hover it over a key, I hold down a button, and it clones it, uh, versus the Proxmark where you have to spin up uh, a Linux system or you have to install the application in Windows and then go through and learn the process of cloning, copying a card, and identifying the Wigan protocol. Yeah, absolutely. The Keezy's super easy, super it, I mean it literally fits in your pocket. The the Proxmark it's just much bulkier. It's a it's a whole thing to have it on you. It's it's you have to really kind of plan out a lot of the times to use a Proxmark versus the Keezy, you throw it in your pocket and it's like, "Oh man, somebody left their card here on their desk." We just clone that. Hmm. You'd actually be surprised at the amount of organizations that were extremely large that used cards that were easily clonable versus your small mom and pop shops that actually use really secure cards that were disappointing. Wait, so I kind of want to stay on that topic. What makes a card easily clonable? 
the older style cards, like a MyFair card or something that runs on like 125 kilohertz, it's a little easier to clone versus the newer cards, the 13.65s and NFCs. Um, if you can bypass the reader though and get in line, uh, you can actually just read the Wiegand data directly off of that. And that transitions us to a, another cool tool, the ESP key, yeah. which is an inline reader. It acts as a tap on the wire and it just captures the data. So you don't have to clone the card and it has a, a Wi-Fi module built in. So I walk up to a door, uh, tamper's never installed. So I just rip the reader off the wall, uh, punch it down in line, plug it back in 30 seconds. And I come back the next day and just pick a credential from the Wi-Fi access point on my phone connected to it and just replay it and open the door. The number of times we have been stopped taking a keypad off of the wall, like it actually taking the, the card reader off of the wall and punching something down in the wires is zero. Are you serious? Nobody has ever stopped us for just like taking their crap apart. Tamper I'm is shocked. never enabled. <laughs> I think that you can get in and out quick enough if somebody's like, huh, what's this guy doing? But you're out before they mm-hmm. really decide to come stop you. And I've mentioned it before where you could take your your uh, ESP key, get badges from the main door, and then put it on a more secure door and just replay those credentials and have access to a secure door without ever having to interact with any human. So mm-hmm. take a, a non-secure area and then punch that down in a more secure area and completely bypass everything. Hey, Lemon, should you enable tampers? Absolutely, you should enable tampers. If your uh, access control guy doesn't... Um, fire him? Fire him. Uh, yeah, enable tamper on everything. I shouldn't be able to open your Linnell cabinet without someone breathing down my neck. A good story about enabling that tamper and that stuff was... Uh, I found a bunch of badges on a job. I'm not sure I've mentioned this story before, but found a bunch of badges on a job and was scanning them. And they said that it was setting off an alarm. And when I went to audit the badges the next day and I scanned a bad badge, it was like a DEFCON 5 alarm screaming. So I just imagine <laughs> these poor security guards sitting in there for 20 minutes as I'm scanning bad badges back to back and the sirens just blaring. <laughs> I was like, what you're telling me, they had to just sit there. Every single time someone scans a badge, bad a bad badge, it makes a loud alert sound. A horribly audible alert for like fifteen seconds. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so yeah, for several minutes, they're just sitting there hearing the siren going off. Oh no! <laughs> okay, so you two are both seasoned engineers, red teamers, what have you. So what? If you could go back in time and start your security career with only one tool, what would it be? A laptop. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking something you tend to see on these lists, like the hash, you know, quote unquote, like cool hacker tools, you know, the gadgets, like we were just talking about. So it comes down to if I were starting my journey, uh, you got to think about it. What is a tool and what's it used for? Right. Uh, like a hammer. If you asked a, a carpenter, like what tool would you start out with? Like, yeah, hammer is going to na- enable you to drive nails, but it's not going to let you finish a cabinet. In the same vein, you should look at your tools and what provides you the most versatility. Like, yeah, you could get really elite at Wi-Fi attacks, but if it were me, I would take a raspberry Pi and I would install Metasploitable on it. I'd install OAuth's juice box 
And then I would use that as my target and start hacking against that. Uh, unfortunately, I was starting my career back before Raspberry Pis were a thing, so I didn't get to have that, luck, that luxury. Yeah, I, I totally agree on the Raspberry Pi thing. It's just so versatile, so much you can do. If I had to choose something else, um, looking to some of the stuff that Hack 5 makes maybe, I would probably mm. think of Shark Jack. Okay. Shark Jack something that we actually get to use on engagements uh, fairly often, especially whenever we just want to show impact. Like, look, we plug this in. It's showing Responder. It's poisoning you know, WPAD right now. It's going to ask people to put in their credentials. They're going to put in their credentials. I'm going to pull it out. And in 25 minutes, I've gotten five user credentials. So something like that is uh, it's probably what I would say if you're not going for like Raspberry Pi. Awesome. But I would say the, the Shark Jack's one of those like do your research because it was really lame when I first got it. Like the amount of scripts that were available and having to modify it and pull down the actual packages to make Responder run on it. Uh, it was a whole day ordeal. So uh, when you think about hacker gadgets – and just like the root of hacking, like hacking is taking something and making it do what it wasn't supposed to do. Uh, that's the spirit. So take your tools and then see if you can extend them, like stand on the shoulders of giants and figure out, well, it did this, but what can I make it do? Um, always be looking at what can your tool do and why, not just these are the use cases. Nice. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? on this episode of Leet or Lame. No, I like that though. Leet or Lame. I'll get on my side. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, for anyone listening, I'm going to try and include some links for some of the items we did talk about that, you know, Tiener and Lemon recommended um, in the description. So if you've got any questions, of course, feel free and reach out. We're more than happy to talk. Um, but thank you guys both so much for being on this episode of the Secure AF podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me.